This morning, um, this is a different kind of word for me to share with you. I believe it's a prophetic word. I actually, so much so that poor Pastor Gary, I called him at 5.30 this morning, and I said, I feel like the Lord has just placed this word, a prophetic word, but I need your covering. And of course, by his gracious ways, he gave it to me. There's so many things that happen and are happening around us, and it's easy to be distracted into many different ways. And when we come back to that place where we say, Lord, center me, as, as Pastor Jeff was sharing this morning, as Pastor Mike, center me on what really matters. What really matters? I mean, let's face it. If your house has been flooded, if you have someone that has COVID, died of COVID, that becomes our center. There's no question about that. But beyond that, what is the center? What is the thing that really matters? And so I'm going to speak on the glory of the Lord as, as a prophetic word for what is about to come. And we don't speak about the glory of the Lord that much, not because there isn't, but because sometimes we're just so concerned about the moment in front of us. But I believe that we are at a place in time where the glory of the Lord will descend upon his people to prepare them for the coming, his, not only his coming, but the revelation and the revival that he wants to bring into our hearts and into our lives. Jesus in Matthew 16, and, and you probably won't have a lot of scriptures. That is not the fault of our creative team. That is the fault of me, who kept changing them. And If they get any of the scriptures, it's by God's grace. It's just, I'm not used to, I'm not used to that. Matthew 16, from that time on, Jesus, beginning of verse 20, uh, 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, and must be killed. And on the third day, he will rise, be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, you shall nev- this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Now think, think about this. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is declaring the prophetic direction that is coming, that the glory of God has been upon him, and now he is going to the cross. And Peter, Peter, God bless Peter, it's like he comes over to Jesus and he says, I I appreciate your enthusiasm, but you know, that's that's not going to happen. Reel it in. Jesus. Just reel it in a little. You're getting like way out of hand here. This will never happen. This will never happen. Jesus is declaring the salvation of the world. And Peter steps up and said, you know, it's just like, we don't need to do that. And this is what Jesus says to him. He doesn't say, now, Peter, let me explain it to you again. Now, Peter, let me, you you don't understand. Now, Peter, let me go back to the Old Testament and begin to explain to you. This is what he says, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't know about you, but that would like freak me out if Jesus said that to me. <laughs> Just a little bit. Get thee behind me, Satan. You see, Peter had to die. His thinking, our thinking, our fleshly thinking has to die if the glory of the Lord is to descend upon our hearts and lives. And so that statement, it's, it's as if you know, death has to take place for God's glory to be revealed in our lives. 
The glory of the Lord descending upon Jesus and the, and the revelation of his, the truth of the, his life, death, and resurrection came because of death. Jesus says, unless a, a, a corn of wheat, a, a kernel of wheat dies and falls apart, it's not going to bear any fruit. Death is anything that denies the fullness of God in your life and in my life. Anything, anything. You see, we can't have this, we can't play this game anymore. We, we just can't. We can't have just a little, this is my God stuff, this is my stuff, and this is the stuff I don't know what to do with. Because Peter was doing this, he was juggling it all over, and as soon as he heard something that didn't work with his flesh, he was like, whoa, whoa, we don't need to do that. I think we got this under control. You're here, you're teaching, you're raising people from the dead. I think that's good. We don't need anything more than that. We don't need anything more than that. And we have to be so careful. I believe this is from the Lord to say this. We have to be so careful that we are satisfied with just the things that we can handle and God can handle. Just the things we want to hear. We want to hear that Artie is now the miracle. We say, yeah, that's good. That's enough, God. That's enough. I don't need anything else. Just leave it like that. Don't press any further. Don't come any closer. Just give us those things that say, this is a good thing. Let's just keep going. And that's what Peter did. But Jesus turns and he says, okay, let me show you the glory of God, which Peter had no idea what was going on. So after six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John and the brother of James and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before him. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Moses represents the law. Elijah, the prophets, the fullness of the Old Testament. Now, here is Jesus, the fullness of it as they are together. He changes. His clothes are bright. He he radiates the fullness of and the glory of God. But look what happens. And this is, this is the warning. This is the prophetic warning that I think God is giving us. Peter himself, he says, you know, back to this intellectual way of understanding things. Okay, okay well, this is pretty good. Moses, Elijah, Jesus, wow. Um, you know what? God, let's just build three tabernacles here. And I feel like Jesus is, you know, wants to say that, like, Shut up. He'd probably say it in a beautiful way, but I think it translates to the original language. Shut up. Stop talking. Stop not paying attention. He's still seeing it through the eyes of flesh. But then I love how God overwhelms us when we're in the flesh. I can't tell you when I walked into that hospital and I got the call from Kathy that already had a massive heart attack. I've known Artie for over 40 years. I walked up to that hospital and I said, I don't know how to pray, God. I don't know how to pray. What do you want from me today? This wasn't just, I have a a splinter, broke his arm, I'm all that serious. This is life. And as I walked up, I just, to me, it just brought me back to this passage. While he was still speaking, Peter, a bright cloud enveloped them, and the voice of the cl- from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Now, this is the part. Listen to him. Listen to him. 
Listen to what the Lord is saying through his son, Jesus. He's saying, now, Moses, Elijah, my son, listen to what he's saying. He has something that you need to hear that you will not be able to understand in your flesh, but you will understand it in the fullness of my presence in your life. Then the disciples heard this. They fell face down to the ground, terrified. You know what? We should probably, I don't know if I'd ever preach a sermon on how to be ter- being terrified of God. But maybe we need it. Maybe to wake up. Maybe to realize how serious this is as we're in a world that's crashing around us as they thumb their nose at God and they declare they're better than anything he could possibly be. But Jesus came, touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Wait, what? They, oh, where's Moses? Where's Elijah? They're done. The fullness of the law, the fullness of the prophetic word is in Jesus. And we have to stop sometimes and look up and only see Jesus because we've got all this other stuff. We're building buildings and, and we're telling Jesus, no, I don't think that's a good idea. As I walked into that hospital room, I said, I just need to see you, Lord. There was, to me, it was miraculous. No, we can't see him. Nobody can go in. Nobody come in. Kathy said, my pastor has to pray for him. Doors open, everything open. We went in, we prayed for him. I turned around the whole hospital room, eight people, five, eight people, whatever it was, all with their heads bowed, all with their hands clasped. As we walked down the hallway, the doctor said, pray for me. I'm overwhelmed by what's going on here. He said it once, he said it twice. I said, you know, second time, that's it. I said, you want us to pray for you right now? He said, yes. In the middle of the hallway, St. Catherine's. We prayed for the doctor. And you know, when you start praying in the spirit, they probably heard it down in the lobby. I don't care. Because he's saying, what does God, what, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And we have to be at that place where we see no one except Jesus. No one except Jesus. No one except Jesus. That's why Jesus could say we have to leave our mother, father, sister, brother. We have to hate them. Why? Because he's, you're only supposed to see me. You're only supposed to see me. And the distraction level is overwhelming. But then Jesus begins to unfold the plan. You see, up to that point, Jesus did incredible things, healing and all kinds of teaching. But at that point, now we're headed to the cross. Now we're headed to the cross. And he begins to tell these deep parables of understanding of the things of God and the heart of God. This really gets going, and, 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 and the glory of God, you know, in the Hebrew in, from Psalm 19, the glory of God, the word is kabod, which means weight, significance, not trite. It's not trite. It's something that's overwhelming. And in the, in the New Testament, the word is doxa, which means honor and dignity. So Jesus, in the full weight of God, is the one who would be honored and praised. In the fullness of God, that's how we are to see Jesus. Now, I grew up in the Jesus movement. I would, that was a great time. We all, you know, Jesus is my best friend and all that stuff, and it was good. I think we're past that. I, I hate to say, I, I think we need to hear that, church. We need to put on our proverbial big boy pants and realize we need more than a fr- I need more than a friend. I need more than a friend. Jesus is my friend, great, and he hears me, and he hurts 
He sees me weeping. He sees me. But I need someone. I need, a, I need someone where the glory of the Lord is in him and can be in me. I need to walk in the situations of my life no longer just saying, I have a friend. Yeah, I mean, there's some beautiful songs and they're wonderful. What a friend we have in Jesus and all. But come on. I need someone that is able to speak into existence what I don't even understand. That is able to open my eyes to see this world is desperately needing a Savior who is Christ the Lord. To try to understand how people, how an underground church in Afghanistan can be on their knees, not only just praying, but then increasing the volume so much so that the soldiers could come in and destroy them because the glory of God was in them and it couldn't be contained. And sometimes we're afraid to pray over our meal in a public place for fear that someone will see us. Come on, church. Come on, church. If we want revival, we have to let the glory of God descend into our hearts and lives and transform us. John 12, Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now my heart is troubled and what, I, what shall I say? Father, give, the, give me them, uh, give me from, uh, save me from this hour. No, for this res- very reason I have come. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven and said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit, not for mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of the world. I am the I am. He's glorified. We need to listen to what he has to say. How about these two mountain boys, mountain men, Moses and Elijah? They encountered the glory of God. They encountered the presence of God. Probably make a good sitcom. Let's look at the mountain boys. Elijah, 1 Kings 19, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood on the mountain, the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Are we ready to hear God say to us, what are you doing? What are you doing? The presence of God was so overwhelming to Elijah that he took his cloak and he hid. He covered himself. You know, when when God's moving, and and I I just so appreciate the worship time this morning, I don't want to be like, yeah. I want to be like, oh, God. If your presence is here and you're reading my mail, I'm in big trouble. I need to cover my heart. I need to be open. And you know what? When, when God came there and Elijah, he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? It's because God is searching us out because of his love for us. We push ourselves back in the cave, back in the cave, back in the cave. And he says, come out because he loves us and he wants us to experience his fullness. He wants us to experience his fullness. It's not a game. It's the reality that there's stuff in the way of your life and my life that keeps the glory of God from the fullness in our hearts and lives. And all he's doing is pressing by showing up and showing up and showing up in our hearts and lives. But he's not going to share that time, not share that place with the stuff of this world. He's not going to do it. 
And that's why Elijah was able to just say, uh, the presence of God is here. I'm overwhelmed for the sinful man that I am. I cover myself. And it's in that attitude, it's in that heart, that the glory of God descends into us. And we know his healing and strength. From Moses in Exodus 33, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from the other people on the face of the earth? What else but the presence of God, the glory of God distinguishes Christians? Why? Because we listen to different music, because we eat differently, because we do different things. Yes, maybe. That's not enough anymore, church. It's not enough if we want to see the glory of God and revival come to this nation, to this world that desperately, desperately needs it. And Moses says, in the middle of all this, Moses says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Was he being impotent? Was he, was he, was he someone that was able to just, how dare you say that to God? But Moses was like, I can't move unless I know your glory is here. Show me your glory. Show me whatever it takes. Reveal your heart to me so that I can move ahead. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. And as he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slaughter anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to the thousands, forgiving witness, wickedness, rebellion and sin. Does not leave the guilty unpunished, and he punishes the children and their children and the sins of the fathers from third and fourth generation. And that's a reality. It's both, church. We can't hide in the cave anymore. When God walks by, we're ripped apart. He washes everything, just like we watch these floods, things going down the road that were not attached. They just get washed away. But now this is the part I was not aware of until preparing this week. And then in verse 18, then Moses said, show me your glory. In verse 8, Moses bowed to the ground and at once worshiped. I wasn't aware of this, but there's nowhere else before that that it's recorded that Moses worshiped. He split the sea. He took the people out of Egypt. He did all kinds of things. But now, he worshiped. When was the last time you allowed yourself to worship the Lord? I mean, not with a timer, not with some things. When was the last time you just stopped and said, God, I, I don't know. All I know is I can't keep going without you. When Moses said, show me your glory, it wasn't like you write a thank you note. Thank you, God. That was, thank you. That was awesome. No, he was on his face worshiping. When the glory of the Lord came upon the disciples at the Mount of Transfiguration, they were on their face, overwhelmed. This awesome worship music, my goodness, it has gone on forever. But we worship out of our transformation and brokenness. We worship empty, not full. We worship overflowing for who he is and, the, and, and very aware of who I am and his grace extended to me and, and we're changed. 
You see, this is, this is how we have to start looking ahead. This is prophetically where we have to be going. It's not going to happen today. It's not going to be happen at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Thank you very much. Let's watch it again on Wednesday. Not going to happen that way. Not going to happen that way. It's going to happen by saying from the brokenness of Moses' heart, show me your glory. And the glory of the Lord changes our relationship with him and with Jesus. The glory of the Lord. Have you ever been in that place? That's my spot over there, right where Jill is, right? Right there, one seat back. I was, one time, Phyllis and I were standing there, and I, I'm just, my, I'm crying, I'm, I'm whatever, and I get this. I look, I said, sit down. I had no idea. Overwhelmed by God's presence. Overwhelmed by who he is. Sit down. Kneel down. Hear what God has to say. We're changed to experience his will, not mine. We're called to stop holding ourselves together and let him take us apart. Let him take us, let God take you apart. But what, it, let him take you apart. We're committed to be his vessels the glory of God, when it comes in, he, he just undoes us. I want to be undone by God, don't you? Maybe. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Maybe. You know what? When I say it, I'm not even sure what it means, but I know this. Nothing is going to happen of any consequence unless the glory of God undoes me. Unless the glory of God makes me see things like I've never seen them before and that it matters to me. It's not enough to do the right thing. Believe me, I'm a do the right thing person. That's the way I was raised. You do the right thing. You do the right thing. That's what you do. That's why God was putting this word into my heart and I felt such a prophetic anointing on it. I did the right thing. I, I contacted pastor because I said, I can't do this. He is my covering. He is my pastor. I so respect him. It's time, church, that we stop just trying to balance it out and put it in the right place. Now I'm going to go from preaching to meddling just a little, okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Eat or drink. Who are you to tell me, you know what? Is that for the glory of God? Eat, drink. What is, what is Paul saying? Everything of our life has to be an avenue for the glory of God. And if there's something that I'm doing that's in the way, then Lord, reveal it to me. Show me your glory in my habits. Show me your, my glory, uh, your glory in all that I'm doing. Uh, so, so let's do like Moses. Let's do where we say, God, show me your glory. And then get ready. Get ready. Get ready to, to be whipped around. Get ready to see the mountain shake. And yet, a voice that goes deep within that begins to redirect us. Wait like Elijah did for that still small voice, a voice louder than our traditions and handicaps and fears and angers and unforgiveness and pleasures of this world. As Pastor Mike said, we, 
Monday night is at sundown. Rosh Hashanah begins and part of the Jewish calendar. And it's that place of celebration. But we move to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Maybe this is all just in God's timing, isn't it? That God has something. And here's what, I, here's what I'll say. Allow him to start today. Allow him to start today. He'll not finish today. But allow him to start. Stop with our shopping list. Let him prepare you for his glory. Let him prepare you for his glory, the glory of God to fill you in ways that you do not even understand and I don't understand fully. But I know in a world that's crushing, the people of God will step into the smallest and the greatest situations with the glory of his presence and lives will be changed just by us being there and the presence of God released through our lives. Is that the way you want to live your life? It's the way I want to live life. Is it happening right this second? It is not. But, it, but God's prophetic word is that is the way that revival is going to come. When the glory of God descends over this earth and people hunger for him, those that are with him and those that come need to come to know him. And I pray, as I prayed for over all these years, that Smithtown will be a place, Long Island will be a place where the glory of God is released. Lives are changed forever. Forever. I believe that. I believe it with my whole heart. And maybe that's why everything else has been ripped away. So just the glory of God is left. And I can't think of a better thing to be left with but the glory 